welcome to an exciting episode of FW Presents, the anthology show for the Fire and Water Podcast Network. This is the Fire and Water Podcast Network's uh, summer special, and we have a big group assembled to talk about one of our favorite topics, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we'll get into the details of exactly what we're here to discuss, but first let me introduce everybody. Who's here? Don't do that. You said you were going to introduce us. <laughs> Fine. Okay, include. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Rob Kelly, obviously. Joining me is Chris Franklin. Hello. The Irredeemable Shag. Peoples of the Earth. Hello. Ryan Daly. Hi. And from an undisclosed location, Max Romero. Hi, Max. Hola. <laughs> you gave it away! <laughs> That's there right, everybody. Spanish-speaking countries. <laughs> That's right, everybody. Max is in Canada. So, uh, we're here. Hey, I'm going to get there next week. The syrup is delicious. <laughs> so, so uh, I mentioned uh, that we're here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but not just the movies as they exist. We thought it would be kind of fun to uh, have a kind of like what if session where all of us are going to talk about now that Marvel is entering a new phase, literally and figuratively, with the end of. Uh, Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, which is sort of the epilogue to Phase 3 of the Marvel Universe. We were wanted to what we'd like to see going forward. Uh, this is not going to be a prediction show because, of course, uh, by the time most of you hear this, the San Diego Comic-Con and Marvel's presentation will be just one week away. And so any predictions we make, we're going to be completely destroyed in seven days anyway. So we're not here, we're not here to predict stuff. We're here to talk about what is – let our minds really wander – and what is the kind of movies we'd like to see? And so that is what we're going to talk about. We, like, we are all a creative bunch, and we thought it would be really fun to just, just sort of really let our minds wander and think what kind of movies we would love to see from the MCU, from Marvel Studios, going forward. Now, I only have basically one rule that I set for myself. I don't know if you guys did this either, but my one rule is these movies that I'm going to pitch would have to literally be possible. And when I say that, I mean... I'm not casting Humphrey Bogart as Dominic Fortune. You know, I mean, like, all the, all the, the ideas. Damn it! Have to, that would be so good. That would be really good. But, I mean, he's dead, and they can't make that. Marvel Studios has a lot of power. They don't have that much power. Although, with their CGI technology, right. the way it's I was going to say, you saw what they did with Carrie Fisher and Peter Cushing. I mean, their facial yeah. technology, they could probably put Humphrey Bogart in a movie. That, that is true. We're getting to that point. But, but for now, for now, I'm going to just pitch movies that couldn't actually be made uh, in some far-off land or some far-off date or something like that. So now, that I'm is not, what we're all – I'm not yes. promising any of mine would be profitable, but they are at least possible. No, we're not worrying about that at all. <laughs> it, this, part of the inspiration for this, everybody, was the episode that Shag and I did of Fire and Water, I think like, what, about six months ago, where we came up with – our dream lineups for Justice League Detroit. It was like ten years ago. That <laughs> wasn't that long ago. I don't, it was a it long time like, ago. <laughs> it seems like that. Okay. But, I mean, everybody really liked that show, and yes. we had a lot of people engaging with their ideas, and we thought that was really fun. So that's kind of what we're going to do here. I mean, all of us are fans of the MCU movies to one degree or another. So I have a bunch of ideas of stuff I like to say. I know everybody else does. The one thing I will say right at the top of the show is, for those of you listening – I can't imagine if you're listening to this, you have not seen Avengers Endgame. But if you haven't, we are going to spoil Avengers Endgame, and we're going to spoil the end of Far From Home. 
So if you haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home yet, you don't want to get it spoiled. We can't guarantee that we're not going to let something slip. So just so you know, if you haven't seen either one of those movies, you might want to listen to this after you go see those movies. So, okay. Who wants to go first? Well, I would like to mention, just in connection to your JL Detroit episode, that if nothing else, that discussion spawned a great work of art by Michelle Fife, uh that included worth his it, lineup. Which worth I it think, just for that. Yeah, I think it had yes, Stalker it the Slayer as part of his group as his lineup. So, yeah. Um, well, since we're since this is not a prediction show, and all of Ryan's predictions are always wrong for Star Wars, why don't you start us off, Ryan? <laughs> okay, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll happily start off, and I, I want to say like. The, the ones that I ended up thinking about and where my mind kind of wandered are not necessarily movies that are not based on characters that I never necessarily love. But the first thing that has kind of come to my mind after Endgame and, and some of the developments there would be a young Avengers type of uh, movie. And, and as I kind of get into the details of where I think this might go and the possibilities, it kind of crosses over with the modern Champions book, which I know Shag is a fan of. Um, and the, the future Avengers, which was a thing like five or six years ago. Um, but this is based on, um, again, I'm not something I'm super fan of, but it has a pretty big fan base. So looking at the characters who might be involved in this, again, we're looking at a core group of characters inspired by the Avengers, but younger, the Teen Titans, basically, the teenagers version. So we're pretty sure we're going to be introduced to a new female Hawkeye character in the Hawkeye Disney Plus TV show. Probably Clint Barton's daughter, based on you know the prologue to Endgame, but it might be not. Um, in the comics, there was a girl called Kate Bishop. They Woo-hoo. could merge those two characters together. Maybe she takes the name Kate Bishop as a codename. Who knows? Whatever. Um, Scott Lang's daughter Cassie, who was originally like 10 or 11, now has aged up to the age of 16 by the end of Endgame based on uh, those results. So she could become the character from Young Avengers Stature, which is basically she's Giant Girl. In fact, I think in the car- one of the cartoons she was called Giant Girl. Um, in also the cartoon, or the more recent Ant-Man comics, she has become a character called Stinger, which is basically just Wasp. I don't think they want to do another Wasp right now, so she'd probably be Stature or Giant Girl. Um, Another one that I would like to see is the character of Harley Keener, who was the kid in Iron Man 3. Now, we saw him at Tony Stark's funeral in Avengers Endgame. And I would really like them to do something with that character just to kind of make him relevant, make him worthwhile. And I think to some degree to kind of redeem Iron Man 3 which for a lot of people is not the greatest uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I think it has a lot of weaknesses. So if they could do something with that character, bring him back either as the Iron Lad type of character or even kind of go the other way. Well, in the Young Avengers comic, Iron Lad was kind of a version of Kang. He could even be a version of Kang or like the villain, something like that to kind of make that character relevant because – he had an important point in Tony Stark's life, and then he was immediately forgotten, and Peter Parker became the surrogate son. So I would like this kid to have some kind of meaning. Um, other characters from the Young Avengers that they could do something with, two of the characters are Wiccan and Speed, who are the, the children of Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. She's getting her own Disney Plus series. I don't know if you introduce her kids in that or if that just gets complicated. They could be displaced from the future. Um, Speed is certainly one character because he looks and sounds just like Quicksilver. And since you've already killed off Quicksilver, you could have that. Um, another character is Hulkling, who was looked like the Hulk, but he was actually a hybrid scroll and I think the son of Captain Marvel. Uh, so you could do something with that. 
um, because the Skrulls and the Kree have been introduced, or you swap him out for somebody like Amadeus Cho, who is the totally awesome Hulk in the comics. But I also think some of the other younger characters, and we'll get into this, like Kid Nova, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. Now we're talking about some of the characters from the the Champion series that are out right now. But I think anyway, I just I think the Avengers are kind of in a place. Where Right now, where these characters could naturally be brought together and make for an interesting movie, and you know that there is a fan base for these characters because it was a really popular comic ten years ago. So that's that's um, it. so yeah, yeah. I, I just think that would be something that they really c- could easily do. If I could chime in, because once again, Ryan's playing from my playbook, uh, just like he insists that Ray is a Skywalker. Uh, he stole my idea here for oh, the Young yeah, Avengers yeah, yeah, as well. No. Yeah, you like that? That's a good segue, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> so rather than repeating it when it's my turn, I just want to chime in. I had the exact same idea. I, I was I was thinking you could go with either a New Warriors theme, Champions, Young Avengers, all kind of fit that same mold you're talking about. The characters I was envisioning was definitely the Kid Nova version. Um, Sam, I think is his name in Champions. He's a neat little kid. I like the, I like the character. Miss Marvel definitely seems like a perfect one to introduce um from a purely uh, representation point of view it hits some buttons that marvel's ne- not necessarily uh meeting as far as diversity in some of their characters she, she's a great leader she's a, a cool character she's got a neat background in diversity uh it, it really i like the character quite a bit she also got a neat set of powers uh, i was also thinking cassie uh, ones you didn't mention that i thought would have been nice would have been um some version of viz vision because you know vision didn't really I feel like he didn't get a good uh, parting moment, if you will. I mean, he he, he was a big role in that movie, but uh, in Infinity War, but once he was gone, it was just kind of all over for that character. So I thought that having some remnant of Vision around, and if you, if you read the Champions, Viz, Viz Vision, which is his daughter, is a really great character, much more interesting than Vision himself. So I'd love to see her. Or the Patriot, which was a young African-American um, boy who was the... Oh, if I can't remember, if I, I'm trying to remember. It's been years since I've wrote Young Avengers. But I want to say he was the grandson of one of the early proto- prototype Captain Americas. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah. and he was he was a great character. So though, all of those characters, any of the uh, combination of them, would make a fantastic sort of Young Avengers. I, I wish they wouldn't go with the name Young Avengers, but it, it would help it sell, probably. But yeah, same idea here. I never realized how out of touch with the Marvel Universe I was until Ryan just listed about ten characters, none of which I've heard of. <laughs> well, I strongly endorse Young Avengers. It's exceptional. It's really, really good. Uh, Alan uh, Heinberg wrote a lot of it, The guy, one of the guys who was involved with Grey's Anatomy. So Young Avengers was great. So is Champions by Mark Wade. Both of those get my stamp of approval. Well, and some of those characters made it into that. What was it? Uh, Secret Warriors, the animated thing that was... Uh, in the last year or so, like Squirrel Girl and Kamala Khan, and they had a toy line at Target, so they've they've got they've got some exposure out beyond the comics already. Oh, Squirrel too. Girl would be perfect for that. Good call, Chris. I think they were doing something with Squirrel Girl. It was the girl from the AT and T commercials, but I yeah, I heard. I don't about know that, whatever yeah. happened to that. So yeah. Hey Ryan, I have a little bit of a follow up question for you based on the Young Avengers. Do you think that, or what would you? Again, this is all what you would like to see, not what we think mm-hmm. is going to happen. Do you think, would you like to see the Avengers continue as a team? Or do you think, would you prefer that now that the court of big three have been gotten rid of, or big four, I guess, four out of the five, like the Avengers name just be retired? No, I definitely want to see Avengers with the Avengers continue. And I think you can do that with Captain Marvel, Black Panther, the Scarlet Witch, uh, the Sam Wilson, Captain America, 
um, Ant-Man, Wasp, like other characters you could still introduce. I, I was going to mention that Monica Rambeau introduced in the uh, in Captain Marvel as a 10-year-old girl. Now she would be either 35 or 40, depending on if she got snapped. Um, but she could come, she could become like a new, like sort of, yeah, you've also got Valkyrie Thor is still technically out there. Oh, yes. So I, I definitely think there are enough characters in there that you can still do an Avengers movie and you can have it. And they, I mean, these movies are still making a billion dollars, even if they don't have Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans in them there. I still think that is. However, that said, I wouldn't mind if they take a couple years off and maybe, you know, like take three, four, even five years, maybe, who knows. Um, and then really do it like the second version, the second Avengers 2.0, whatever it ends up being. It, you get like almost a, a new sort of like the first Avengers had to bring them all together. You sort of get that unifying team up form again for the second round. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely like to see more Avengers movies with an Avengers team, but not right away. I don't think they need to rush and I don't think they will. But again, not predicting anything. So right. but in the meantime, I think you could do a you know, new Avengers, young Avengers, champions, new warriors, something in that mold to have the, the, the Teen Titans version, the legacy version. Very cool. If I could chime in again, because Ryan's apparently going to say everything I'm going to say tonight. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I had you can, a... You can I, take the night off if you want to go to I, the apparently, I didn't, yeah, I don't th even Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I don't even need to be here. And I'm not going to let Max <laughs> talk, apparently. So uh, the, the, the Young Avengers template was out there, but I also think there is definitely a template for what I was calling the New Avengers, which would be in about three to four years, you get a big tentpole movie with Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Wasp, Maybe Ant-Man. Uh, and maybe War Machine is Carl the Witch. But the real key here is, and this is the part where I think everyone will argue with me, is rather, now that they have the Fox license, rather than starting off with a Fantastic Four movie or starting off with an X-Men movie, in the new Avengers, you introduce the Thing and you introduce Wolverine. Now, I know for some of you old school fans, you're like, what though? That's horrible. Well, you know what? Bendis did it in the new Avengers and it was just fine. So I really think introducing the thing, introducing Wolverine in a new Avengers movie, let them build some popularity, then try and relaunch a Fantastic Four franchise a few years later, then try and relaunch a Wolverine or X-Men franchise a few years later. I think that would be the way to go as far as the new Avengers. That's, that's what I want to see. I want to see thing and Wolverine on the team swinging. That's what okay. I think. Oh, no, no, hold on. We're, we're gonna we're gonna let Chris go because Chris has something he wants to say. Uh just well, if it's about the Avengers, Ryan, go ahead. No, I was just going to point out that that Shag's like primary piece of evidence that Bendis used the Thing and Wolverine in his Avengers run. Yes, he did, but he didn't introduce them. The characters had been around for fifty years. The characters have already been around for twenty years in movies. Everybody knows who they are. They don't need to be – they don't need to see another Fantastic Four movie. They don't need to see another X-Men movie to figure out who these characters are. People already know who Wolverine is. People already know who the thing is. So stick them in this movie, and then you back into, oh, here's the full Fantastic Four in the MCU version. That is, okay. a, <laughs> that is a way to do it. <laughs> well, here's another way you could do it. Okay, so – the Fantastic Four have been lost in time, perhaps due to the machinations of Doctor Doom. They've been erased from history, and they're lost in a prehistoric time, barely surviving on the tech they had with them in the Fantastic Car. And then the time shenanigans in the in Endgame, they weaken Doom's fail-safes to keep them there, and Reed and company emerge, bringing some of the area with them and giving us the Savage Land slash Monster Island combo. And oh, now, I like that. 
Maybe this is in a Black Panther movie. Dinosaurs start showing up in near Wakanda. T'Challa investigates, and boom, out pops the Fantastic Four. Oh my God, I love that idea. That would so, be an amazing post-credit sequence. Yeah. So now, now they got to acclimate themselves to a world that has absolutely no memory of them. Maybe they're now in a new timeline altogether. You know, maybe they remember some of the characters, like they remember Cap and Iron Man, but then you know nobody remembers them. But we don't have to go through the origin. We can just Know that these characters exist just like they did with Spider-Man. They're already established. And then you've got the 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 mystery hanging over your head. Where's Doctor Doom? Did is he in the unaltered timeline? Was he lost in time too? Is he coming back? And then maybe you slowly reveal, yeah, he's he's still around. He's behind everything. So I don't know. That's a cool idea. And Chris, thank you for making my point that it's okay to introduce Spider-Man in Civil War. Without giving a Spider-Man movie first, just like it would be okay to introduce Thing and Wolverine in an Avengers movie before giving them theirs. It would but be. <laughs> but your idea is really boss. I like that. How, yeah, ironic would that. how ironic would that be if Black Panther gave birth to the Fantastic Four rather than the other way around? Right. <laughs> that would be real. Yeah. That's really cool. Max, uh, what's your first idea? Well, actually, this kind of ties in with what Chris was talking about, and I, I think it can work pretty well. Uh, what I would like to see is a straight up Godzilla style fiend fang foom movie. Oh just, wow. <laughs> just ha- just have him come up from the ocean and just start wrecking stuff. You know, and and what I would like about it is I mean, you have to kind of make it a little different just because, you know, you don't want to do another Godzilla movie, but you uh can also have that just giant monster smashing New York sort of thing, but the way I picture it is you know, Fin Fang Foom doesn't say anything until maybe the last third of the movie. So that it's a big surprise, it's a big reveal to the audience and to the people fighting um, Foom. Uh, I'm not going to say Fin Fang Foom every time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, Triple F. You know, <laughs> Triple F. And, uh, and part of the way this ties in with what Chris was saying was also the way I picture it is either Fin Fang Foom is... You know, defeated with some sort of means, you know, usually, because I know this happens in the comics all the time, is that he kind of screws himself over. <laughs> He's not as smart as he likes to think he is. And um, maybe have the Fantastic Four show up at the end, essentially saying, sorry, we weren't here to deal with this, but we're here now. Mm. And and that could tie in with Chris's lost-in-time idea of, of the Fantastic Four. Cool. I like it. And he could come from Monster Island or Savage Land. Or and they he could, back exactly. There. Yeah. Exactly. Come from like Monster it. Island. Yeah. <laughs> so who would be the protagonists? So, um, well, I guess, I don't know. Is he the protagonist? Or is it, or do you have some, you know, the humans trying to rally around it? Or do you, you put a superhero in there? How does that work? You know, I don't know. If I, I went around and around on this. And I'm not sure if I would put in a superhero. Because, you know, you're revealing the Fantastic Four at the end. Um, I mean, and what you could do with that also is have that as a way to kind of introduce the Fantastic Four at the end, even though that doesn't make sense doing a stealth FF movie. But um, the, Dam- the way I picture it control? is just <laughs> the, the way I picture it is is just a straight-ahead giant monster movie. So it's you know army tanks and jet fighters and and all that sort of thing. Okay. Put uh, yeah. Nick Fury in it. Have Nick Fury versus Fing Fang Foom. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. could have S.H.I.E.L.D., you could have uh, Secretary of State Ross, you could have all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, hey, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield fought Godzilla in the comics. Right. So why not? If only we had the rights to Shogun Warriors still. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd be happy with any time travel movie as long as Kang is the villain and he has a shield with his face on it. That is what I want. <laughs> they all need shields with their faces on it. Yeah. So, Rob, we've all uh, gone ahead, and, and we don't want to give Ryan another turn because he'll just say my next one. So, why don't you give us? Why don't you tell us one of your ideas, Rob? All right. Uh, what my my the first one I thought of, I have a couple. The first one I thought of, and I think this is something similar that Max had when we were comparing notes is. Uh, I, this is probably going to anger some people, but I would love it if they just forgot the TV shows, the Netflix shows. Just wipe them out. Just forget it. Those didn't happen. They're not part of the universe. They were a failed experiment. Whatever. So to that end, I would love to see a Marvel, Power Man, and Iron Fist movie. Mm. Put them together and make it like a 70s exploitation kung fu movie. <laughs> and it, it exists in 2020 or 2021, whenever they make it. I mean, it's all the same characters and everybody has cell phones. But for some reason, the movie looks like it was made in the 70s. You have that same sort of focus, <laughs> the same film stock. You have, when the, when the title comes up, you have the little copyright down at the bottom like they did in the 70s. <laughs> all the music is the 70s. All the music is, all the, um, the cars, the clothes. It is straight up a black exploitation kung fu movie like it was like if it was made by the Shaw brothers. Like Tarantino and Rodriguez did with Grindhouse. Absolutely. It sounds like it's, Quentin Tarantino yes, or something. Yeah. It's yeah. essentially a Grindhouse movie starring Power Man and Iron Fist. That is what I want. I want full on 70s soft focus that kind of thing. Uh, you somehow work in across 110th Street by Bobby <laughs> Womack. That is what I want for a Power Man and Iron I, I really thought that they, they Marvel just screwed up with uh, the, the, the Power Man and Iron Fist TV shows. So I would love to see them. Those char- I always love those characters. I would love to see them get a, a bite at the silver screen action. And just to me, that would be the most fun. Have him say sweet Christmas the whole bit. <laughs> Full on 70s movie, except it's somehow also 2021. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I did, and as Rob was saying, you know, I, I had some, sort of a similar idea. And what I would like to see is actually sort of like a big deadly hands of Kung Fu universe. You know, oh. I want all the Kung Fu guys, I want the daughters of the dragon, hands of the tiger that lead into the white because, you know, you know, talking about presentation, I would, would like someone in the movies other than Luis and his La Cucaracha band. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it, it would be nice to have, you know, and Hector Ayala, tiger was the first Latino, um, uh, character published by Marvel, and he was the White Tiger, so, uh, and Puerto Rican. So I like, and Shang Chi is already lated. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. you know why can't why can't we just build on that and do and as Rob said, do a whole Shaw Brothers black exploitation style street series of movies? Because I loved Endgame, I loved the Marvel universe top to bottom, but. I, I would like to see them move away from the big cosmic threats and get back down to If I can chime in on what Max was saying, that ties into one of my ideas, which was um, – uh, Rob, you said you didn't like the Marvel TV shows on Netflix. I, I, I'm a fan of them, and I don't think they need to go out of their way to contradict them, but I don't think they need to go out of their way to, to prove them canon either. So what I want to see is Daredevil, 
on the big screen. I think he's got enough cachet from what I understand. He was the most popular of those series. Um, he's had a movie before. I think his name is out there enough that they don't have to do an origin more, no more than like a five second flashback of some kid getting, you know, goop in his eyes is all they really need to tell you on screen and just go forward and tell a story. So I was thinking in along the same lines in the Shang-Chi universe is probably the best place to bring Daredevil in because even though he does have some superpowers at the end of the day, he's just a martial arts guy, you know, kind of sort of, um, so I thought that bringing Daredevil into through the Shang-Chi universe or, or series of films would actually be the best way to do that. And you could get a lot of those Marvel Knights uh, ground-level characters, like Max was saying, rather than the cosmic stuff, they're fighting to save Hell's Kitchen or they're fighting to save New York or whatever. So that, that's what I would like to see. Would you want the same actor, though, from the Daredevil TV show? No, no, that's not necessary. Um, okay. Another way to do it, too, is you could even, if you wanted to expand that, Max, into you know uh, just the ground, not, not just martial arts, but the ground-level characters, you could bring Hawkeye into it uh, during his Ronin period, or you could uh, even tie it into, if, if the Black Widow movie does exceptionally well, you could tie it into a, you know, a Black Widow prequel sequel, I guess, if it would be what it would be if she gets a second movie. It'd still be a prequel, I suppose. But, you know, Black Widow would fit in that mold, too. Very street level, you know, uh, lots of hand-to-hand combat sort of thing. I like it. I do, too. Can I, can I jump on that? Talking about my next one is actually because I had some ideas for the Shang-Chi movie that they've announced. So, um, no, I, you may I, not. Um, I love the your idea of doing like the sort of 70s grindhouse pastiche version of Power Man Iron Fist and I've been reading a lot of 70s Power Man Iron Fist comics and I I just love that idea I would add that just like in uh, those movies you need to have a love scene that gets interrupted by the film reel actually bubbling up and burning (laughs) (laughs) as a way of interrupting right before you get like the the close up nudity shot Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, I, I've also been reading a bunch of uh, Shang-Chi, a master of Kung Fu lately, and I love that. And there's there's sort of like – there's the, the magazine version and the first couple of issues by uh, by Starlin, um, which are really dive into this, this wonderful sort of Bruce Lee, enter the dragon type of martial arts thing. Um, and I love it. Like the way I was kind of describing the character, if, for listeners who you might not know anything about Shang-Chi, um, I think the, the – you know, Cliff's Notes version is, imagine you grew up thinking your dad was Batman, and you trained your entire life to be his successor. You perfected your body, your mind, everything so that you could wage a war on crime in your father's name. And then on your, like, 18th or 21st birthday or something, you realize, oh, wait, my dad is actually Ra's al Ghul, and he's the head of an international hmm. crime cartel who's bent on Earth's destruction or something, and you kind of have to turn around it, it kind of like blows your mind and, and he becomes this one-man warrior fighting against his father and that's sort of the first you know year of the comic book that's what it was and that's what a lot of the the magazines got into but after that once doug munch and paul galacy took over the book it was the the adventures he went on were very much james bond style adventures it was a lot of things like for your eyes only but dropping in bruce lee type of character in the mix i'm listening if you had the same thing now a, a problem with the rights to shang chi for the longest time was that all of his supporting characters were created by the writer sax romer who wrote the fu manchu novels and shang chi was supposed to be the son of fu manchu so after they lost that right they couldn't reprint anything because they didn't have it so they've kind of said you know fu manchu won't be his father going forward i think you could actually replace him with the mandarin mm-hmm. because 
they in one of the Marvel shorts that came out after one of the Avengers movies, there was that Hail to the King one, I think, they kind of showed that the Ben Kingsley character wasn't the real Mandarin. There was an actual Mandarin out there who didn't like that somebody else was taking his name. So I think you could have the, the actual Mandarin, something closer to him with the Ten Rings, be Shang-Chi's father. But then some of his other characters in the comics, he had like this Sir Dennis Nayland Smith and this this group that was very much like an MI5, MI6 type of like, you know, espionage thing. Well, if those characters are tied up by the Saxe Romer group, you could introduce some other, you know, British secret agent characters from the Marvel Universe. You could do Pete Wisdom, but you could also introduce the Braddock family with Brian Braddock, mm-hmm. eventually becomes Captain Marvel. You could have Union Jack. And, and so these characters like could just be like named dropped sort of and not really because they don't necessarily you don't want to introduce like captain britain as you know the, a figure in a shang chi movie but you seed that character and then a year later he goes off and do, does his own adventure and you which can, they they and they seeded him in endgame they mentioned braddock yeah. in endgame did they i don't even remember yeah did they? in the, the the scene on the new jersey base they actually mentioned somebody named braddock oh okay yeah mm-hmm. so yeah, so I just think, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely love, like, the kung fu action of the of the Grindhouse sort of 70s take on Master of Kung Fu and bringing in uh, especially the Daughters of the Dragon and White Tiger and everything like that. But I also think if you played it closer to the sort of James Bond nature of, like, the, the, the issues from, like, 29 to 50, you could easily bring in characters like a Brian Braddock or a Pete Wisdom, some actual, like, like – British special intelligence figures from the Marvel Universe that they have the rights to. Cool. Pretty cool. That's, I like it. I like it. Uh, speaking of British families, Marvel British characters, I've got a, I've got an angle on something that I really like to see them do, and it's something that Universal cannot get right for the life of them, and that's the <laughs> classic monsters. Uh, <laughs> okay. The so, Marvel Dark Universe. The Marvel Dark Universe, yes. So if Dracula's too hokey and too obvious for you – then let's use Baron Blood. You know, we can use the Fallsworths. Yes. yes. He can yes. be our head vampire guy, the Fallsworths. So you can connect him to Hydra in World War II, and maybe, just maybe, if you load a dump truck full of money up to his house, Chris Evans will come back for a <laughs> flashback, and we can see, you know, a World War II encounter with him and Baron Blood. Please, God, let him decapitate him like in the Stern Burn run. Oh, God, Chuck. yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, you can make, you know, he was actually a World War One character initially, but you can make him the brother, not the uncle of Fallsworth that we saw was a Howling Commando in First Avenger. And uh, so you can tie, bring that actor back. Uh, maybe do this as a Disney Plus series. You maybe even can call it the Howling Commando. So you can combine the classic war comic and the modern horror comic that use that title. And uh, maybe Dum Dum Dugan and Fallsworth and maybe Peggy Carter uh, can take uh, center stage, you introduce Baron Blood, maybe Jack Russell's ancestor, the first to be cursed as a werewolf. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe he's the one that uh, is, is becomes a werewolf and therefore he's on the team, but he's like literally a howling commando. And uh, <laughs> then you carry the story over into a Blade movie or just do Midnight Suns. You can reintroduce Blade and you can have Baron Blood be the the villain behind all this stuff. He's your Dracula, and he's mm-hmm. completely more a Marvel character that they can do whatever they want to with. So, um, Mid- Midnight, I, Midnight Suns would be amazing. That would be fantastic. They could they could redeem Ghost Rider finally. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> I, I have I have something on my list that's actually spinning off of what you just mentioned, Chris. But we're going to do that after we take a break. But before we even get to the break, there's one thing I do want to mention because you brought up Chris Evans. We know that Chris Evans supposedly is done, right? But I think he also wants to work on a directing career because he directed a movie a couple of years ago, uh, a romantic comedy called a drama, really called Before We Go with Alice Eve, and it's pretty good. Uh, he stars in it and he directs in it. It's a small film. It's very kind of like Before Sunrise sort of thing. But clearly, he wants to kind of like do that as well. And I hope to God that Marvel, just to keep him in the family, like allows him or asks him to direct episodes of the Falcon Winter Soldier TV show. <laughs> like just, you know, just keep him in the, just keep, you know, Hey Chris, you're just hanging around, you know, like it'll get, get him, let him get some more directing credits under his belt, but you're also keeping him in the world. You're keeping him around all these actors and who knows, maybe if you do that, you could then at some point, five years down the line say, Hey, you know, we've done you some, we did you a solid. We threw you a lot of directing work. Would you maybe consider, you know, who knows? I mean, why, you know, why not try it? Um, so I just, that's like, like that's not so much a movie idea, but just a, a way of like, just keep Chris Evans in the family because we all love Chris Evans so much. So as I mentioned, we're going to take a break. Right. A, uh, we have a, a, um, a segment from uh, our pal Nathaniel. He couldn't join us. I made sure that was uh, not going to happen. So he recorded a separate <laughs> segment where he's going to pitch us some of his ideas. And we're also going to play some podcast promos. And when we come back, we will continue on with the second half of our discussion of the What If Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, sit tight. We'll be right back. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The year is 1994, or 1944, or maybe 2994? Time is under threat, and history is falling apart. Who will survive this crisis, and how will history be changed for those that do? Zero Hour Strikes takes you back to that DC Comics crossover and covers the entire story, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in, as the DC Universe goes down to zero. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes, Zero Hour Strikes, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember Legion. All right. Nathaniel here from the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm on my own. Liz is not with me, so you just get to hear me rant. I'll keep it short because generally speculation, what they should or shouldn't do, isn't really too much my bag. I try very hard not to get hung up on the ideas of what I want these things to be so that it makes it a little bit less likely that I get let down just because it's not what I envision. But that said, I do have a few ideas. First up, broadly speaking, Avengers films. Those should go on ice for at least five years. Because, look, let's be frank about this. They're not going to be able to go bigger than Endgame anytime soon, if at all, ever. And the worst thing that you can do is come out with another Avengers film that in any way begs the comparison because Endgame's still fairly fresh in the memory. Now, that's not to say no team-ups, nor is it to say, you know, no crossover of any kind, but I say they need to go with the more casual stuff, like how Doctor Strange just kind of showed up in Thor Ragnarok and make that the norm. 
and when it does come time to do an actual Avengers film again, do not use the same format. Do not have it be unified to fight a single great threat like Galactus, like so people, so many people want to think. Not even a terrestrial threat, like they all they all get together to beat Doctor Doom. No. When it's time to bring back Avengers, you bring it back with secret wars. So that way you can have the scale and all of the heroes brought together. And when I say Secret Wars, I mean the original. I mean the 80s. I mean all the heroes and villains stuck on a world that and then they just have to figure out what's going on and deal with each other. So you get everybody in one place, but it's not a high stakes. We have to save the world. We have to save the universe because doing that again is just going to make it feel like they're trying to repeat themselves. So Secret Wars, the original version, is a perfect way to bring everybody together without having to try and one-up the scale of Endgame, which again, I don't think they can do. So moving on to a specific franchise that I have some thoughts on, and I've had these thoughts for a while, on X-Men. I have a couple of specific thoughts. Most of this has to do with Magneto and Charles Xavier, plus a few other broad things. The thing is, whatever you feel about the Fox X-Men movies, those roles were perfectly cast the first time. I mean, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. You know, the, the other two, they were fine, but those two were iconic, and for a good reason. And it's one of those casting things where it's going to be really hard to try and top that. So I've got a few alterations for Magneto and for Xavier. Now with Magneto, there was something that occurred to me that's kind of um, a bit of a sticking point, and that is his history as a survivor of the Holocaust. And I don't mean sticking point like it's a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's fantastic that it's part of his backstory. But we are reaching a period in time where even if he was a young child during the Holocaust, that's gonna put him really, really old. That's putting him in the ballpark of 90s. And I just worry about what they would have to do to the character in order to have him still work. Most likely, they'd say, oh, well, part of this mutation is he ages slower. Except I really feel like the weight of years is kind of important to all of that. But you absolutely don't want to remove that from his history. So, I have a proposition. Make Magneto the survivor of a genocide, but of a more recent genocide. Because, as depressing as it might be, we are not short for options. So, he can be a survivor of Cambodia. Burundi, Bangladesh, which, amongst other things, would most likely give us a non-white Magneto, which I think might be interesting. Here's the other thing that I would suggest as sort of a way to continue to honor and not feel like we're ignoring the parallels to the Holocaust and what happened there. Keep Eric Lencher as having been a Holocaust survivor and the original Magneto, and Magneto is now a title, not a person. So Eric Lencher is either incredibly old to the point that he can't keep fighting the fight or has passed on and is something of a martyr. And the current Magneto, the one actually driving the story, is going to be a survivor of a more recent genocide. And I know some people will say, oh, it can be a survivor of Sokovia. No, has to be a survivor of a real world genocide. That is important. If you make it the survivor of a fictionalized genocide, you are devaluing part of the relevance of the character. Do not do that. So that brings us to Charles Xavier. So here's my thought, because one of the main things that's kind of going to be, I don't want to say an issue, but like an interesting problem to try and solve when introducing the X-Men into the MCU is going to be, why haven't we heard about them before? 
And there's a few ways to go about it. I've heard a lot of different options. Plenty of people have said, oh, the mutation started with the snap. No, I'm just going to say no. But here's my proposal. Charles Xavier has been using Cerebro as an expansion of his powers to basically conceal the mutants for the ge- from the general populace for decades. And when I say conceal, I don't just mean like people don't see them. Like if they see them, they forget. If you've ever seen Doctor Who and saw the villains The Silence, who made their, di- their debut in the sixth season uh, under, under Matt Smith, well, his second season, sixth season of the revived version of Doctor If you know Doctor Who, you know who I'm talking about. But it works like that. Charles Xavier is using Cerebro to boost his powers to the point that he can basically wipe the memory of mutants from most people. And that helps keep them concealed and helps keep them safe. So, why have they now been revealed? I say we open this entire storyline with Charles Xavier getting assassinated, which basically breaks the spell. And suddenly people realize not only are there mutants, but there have been for decades and they have been living amongst us, which would go a long way to justifying the fear of them. It's not just that they have powers, because that's the other thing. At this point, there's plenty of people who have powers, and we've kind of already addressed or have been addressing in the MCU whether or not people are afraid of these people with powers. There has to be a reason for mutants to be different. So if you have them just sort of basically, as far as most people are concerned, be revealed to have been under their nose the whole time and hiding themselves, that's going to raise a lot of anxiety and have a lot of issues. Now, I also say that you make Cyclops lead the group and have it have a more militant feel to it. And I don't mean militant political. I mean, have them look and operate not like a ragtag group of misfits, but like an organized, trained, tactical group, which will be another thing that will justify the fear, which also means I think they should go back to something closer to the classic costumes, including the masks, because that, again, leads to normal people's fear. Most of these other heroes aren't wearing masks. Only a couple of them are, and even most of those, we know who they are. Why are you wearing a mask? Why are you hiding yourself? What is going on? I think that these steps would go a long way to justifying why people are nervous around mutants, because you have to build that up. Otherwise, you're just increasing the population of superpowered people and not otherwise altering the world by introducing the X-Men. So those are my specific ideas. I've got one general thing, and this one's personal to me. Uh, I'm not going to say no one else wants this, but I'm saying it's this isn't going to be important to everybody, but it's important to me at this point. Somebody has to be confirmed as LGBTQ+. Where in there, I'm not going to be picky. Whether it is a lesbian character, a gay character, a bisexual, a trans character, a gender queer, asexual, whatever. Somebody needs to be confirmed as being that. And while I don't think it was bad, and I hold, I hold no grudges against the you know one scene character that appeared in Endgame and thought it was kind of sweet... That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a character we know, a character who's named, a character who's going to stick around, and we are expected to actually have some investment in. And I'm also going to add the qualifier, not an alien, not an Eternal, because the rumor is they're going to introduce an LGBTQ plus character in the Eternals. I want a human freaking being who would actually face what queer people face 
on this planet, in this country, in this time. While I know it can very often be well-meaning when you have sci-fi and you have aliens standing in for various alternate, well, be it races or sexualities or things like that, I'm not saying there's no value in that, but it ignores dealing with the social implications of what it means to be that in the world we live in. I don't want Marvel to hide behind that. I want them to deal with it head on. I don't care if it's a villain. I don't care if it's a hero. I don't, it doesn't even have to be a super-powered person, but it needs to be somebody important, somebody recurring, somebody who was at least originally at some point human. The obvious pick on this would be Captain Marvel and um, Maria Rambeau, but there are plenty of options. I don't care, just seriously. Somebody, please. So there you go, folks. That's my thoughts on some things to do or not do, or directions to head, or my general thoughts, or just what some random guy on the internet thinks, as if there isn't already an overabundance of that. My thoughts on the MCU? Back to whoever's hosting this. Is it Rob? Oh, that's okay. As long as it's not Shag. Professor Zoom Yukonori led an ongoing expedition through his favorite single-issue comic book stories from the Bronze Age of DC Comics. With unique celebrity guest perspectives to set this program apart from other comic book review podcasts. Solomon Grundy don't understand. Entity Terraman. I'm not following either. Bizarro totally get it. I intend to participate in your podcast show of wonders. As if I wasn't nervous enough. Little Professor Man, mansplaining again. Accessing files. Experience the wonder, Bizarro. What in tarnation did you do? Adios, partner. Me am Bizarro Terra Man. Goodbye. Of the Done and One Wonders Podcast Wonder Show. Watch out, you square brain varmint. <laughs> Only on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. All right, before we, before we go on, I do have I need to pitch my one idea for a DC movie, and Rob, you should like this one because it revolves around the Aquaman sequel. Okay. Uh, Black Manta got a great little personal story arc in the first movie. I think for Aquaman two, Black Manta needs a love interest, so I think they should introduce Black Mermaid. And her, her whole shtick is she's like him, she's a pirate, but she doesn't steal from ships. She steals the childhood of white fanboys. It's <laughs> a long way for that joke. <laughs> Alright, Chris, what do you got? Oh how do I top that? Yeah. Uh, follow that, Franklin. But before before Ryan's uh, very funny joke, uh, Rob's talking about bringing Chris Evans back in. Of course, we'd all love for Chris Evans to come back. He hasn't even been gone, honestly, that long, but uh, we still would. But rumor has it that – I don't know if there's anything to this. Maybe you guys have heard it. Maybe, maybe you haven't. That John Cena has been mentioned as possibly playing John Walker, who was the replacement Captain America slash USA. Wow. So now, mm-hmm. if, if this is true, and I, if, if this is true, then I don't know where else they would actually go with this, but I can see this as possibly the plot of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Disney Plus series, or its own film maybe after that, but just, just imagine that now would actually be the perfect time to do that storyline, 
because you could have, you know, there's no Captain America. Yeah, sure, old man Steve came and gave the shield to Cap, but what does the government think about that? So maybe Thunderbolt Ross takes this opportunity to appoint <laughs> a new Captain America, and we've got uh, John Cena as a more aggressive, militaristic Captain America, less than idealistic like Steve Rogers was. He starts making a mess of Captain America's name, and so Sam is forced to, you know, maybe he was struggling with, ah, maybe, maybe I'm not ready to be Captain America. Then he's got to step up. You got two Captain Americas fighting, kind of like Endgame, but two different Captain Americas fighting. And so you got this cool battle. You got Bucky in it, too. And I, I think it'd be a really cool film. And it would be cool to just, uh, you know, have that storyline. And, and yes, a lot of people say, hey, this is Nightfall. But Nightfall ripped that story off. I hate to say that, but it did. <laughs> so, <laughs> Chris, that's actually, a, I, I love that. Because I've been, one of the things I've been struggling with was with Falcon taking over as Captain America. Like, if they just launch him off in, you know, the next Avengers movie, or I guess whatever they're doing in the series, it's still called Falcon, I guess, though. But uh, I was struggling going, you know, we all love the character, but he hasn't necessarily earned the name Captain America. Um, he's a great guy. He's a great partner. But that would be a perfect opportunity for him to sort of prove himself as being worthy of the Captain America title, not just to the, the person sitting in the audience, but also to you know, all of America in, in, that, you know, in the MCU universe. I love that. I love that idea. Cool. Yeah, I dig that. That's really neat. I like that a lot. Uh, Max, what's your next idea? Well, uh, I think Ryan stole most, most of this already, but <laughs> I would like to see. Uh, I would also like to see Union Jack coming back into. Uh, well, not coming back, but coming into the the MCU, just so we can get some of that British spycraft sort of thing going on. But also, selfishly of me, I want that. <laughs> and and Union Jack is you know he almost primarily in the in his comic book history at least he's been a vampire hunter. And, and as was said before, that could bring in, that could bring Blade back in, that could bring in Baron Blood, um, that can do a lot of sort of things, and maybe in a small way fill the gap that might be um, left by Captain America. Maybe, maybe the UK has an idea for their own sort of version of Captain America, and that's how you introduce Union Jack, something along those lines. But um, I, I won't go too far into it since that's already ground that's been covered. But what I would also like to see is talking about this idea of a dark um, a dark Marvel universe. Does anyone remember the Darkhold and the Book of Sins? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I've been in 50 Cent Bins before. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, basically, uh, for people who don't know, the Darkhold is, is Marvel's version of the Necronomicon. And that storyline was pages were, were missing from, from the Darkhold and being given to random people and Awful, horrible things were happening to to them as they got it because it, it was kind of like a like a like a demented wishing lamp. You know, you you made a wish on these pages, and of course they turn out horribly. I, I would I would like to see more of the Marvel horror horror stories uh, being brought out, just because that's that's an, uh, a part of the Marvel universe that hasn't been explored at all yet, and I think it would be really interesting to kind of bring that in and really ramp up the the horror of it and you could have the redeemers who are who are the group of normal people who are to find these track down this little person the demon guy who's giving out the pages and you know and maybe that's also a way to to bring in you know some of the some of the demon hunter vampire hunter people who are already who, who populate the mcu well the the marvel universe i guess 
Dark like was part. Dark Hold was part of the Midnight Suns launch in the nineties. Right. So that that, yeah. that fit in perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I could I could see that all tying into a spin out of a Doctor Strange movie too, pretty easily. That'd be Ooh. really sweet. Yeah. 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 Good thought. Exactly. Horror, nice. horror has come up a lot tonight, more than I thought, and that that is something that I had on my list was if we really wanted to get uh, if Marvel really wanted to sort of take a flyer out on some things, I would love it. I mean, I would love if they could get into some of their horror characters. Now we know that uh, Morbius is part of Sony's Spider-Man BS universe or whatever, but we can put that aside <laughs> for the moment. But like, I would love if they could do like a horror anthology movie, like a creep show. Now, obviously it's not going to be rated R. It's not going to go that far, but what I love, I would love it if like, cause I mean, gr- growing up, the knock on Marvel horror titles was that it was like, well, they were horror titles, but they read like Marvel comics, you know, DC's horror were really horror because DC didn't have that house style. But a Marvel horror was like, well, it's kind of like a Marvel. And, of course, those characters blended in. Spider-Man teamed up with Frankenstein and Tomb of Dracula met different characters. Blade crossed over. But I would love it if they did like a horror anthology movie and it's like Tomb of Dracula for one segment. Monster Frankenstein. It the Living uh, the living Mummy. It the Living Colossus. Werewolf by Night. I mean just like do, do, little, do like little 30 minute segments with like four horror characters. And, and like you know have – I don't know, you know whoever the host – like have Doctor Strange be – I have a book of these magic stories. Or some, you know just have like some host introduce it. I, like I would love to see that and – Related to that, I would love it if Marvel could do a Western, uh, like a Rawhide Kid or a Two-Gun Kid, and at the end of the movie, contrive some way to tie it into the Marvel Universe. Just make it like a Western, but then at the very end, it's like, oh, the Rawhide Kid walks in and he meets somebody, you know, the Grandpa Stark or something, just so you know it's tied all in. (laughs) Or the... Or the horror villain or something continues to live on right, to the 20th exactly. century. And they got I mean, the 21st century, they got to face I, it. I really feel as though Marvel has completely shattered the rules as to what an audience will accept. I mean, just we just saw – spoiler alert, everybody. Just a couple of – like a week ago, we're seeing J.K. Simmons returning as J. Jonah Jameson, even though he played – that same character in a previous iteration of the Spider-Man movies, which has like never been done before. And Marvel is assuming that the audience will just be able to go with it. And they'll just be like, look, we understand. So I would love it if they could say, you know what? We're going to do a Western. We're going to do a horror. We're going to do straight up sci-fi. And it's all going to be part of the Marvel universe because we say it is. I, I really think they've been able to pull that off at this, but they've been able to get audiences to come along with them in a way that nobody else has been able to do. So why not expand it? Why not try and do that kind of thing? I mean, that kind of goes back to the street level stuff that we were talking about, but I mean, why not just go through every genre you can and try and reach all those audiences? You slap a Marvel studios logo in front of it. A lot of people are going to show up. The horror thing would work really well as a TV show. Like, mm-hmm. uh, almost like the Friday the 13th TV series where every episode was like some weird thing or, or even good. the Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Tales from the Crypt then where you've got a host and you, you have a completely different story every time would work. If you can't get Cumberbatch, have Wong do it. Have Wong be go. the host. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Can I, can I, before Ryan starts talking, because yeah. that's nothing good's going to come of that. Uh, can I share my big picture thing of where I feel like the whole Marvel Universe is heading? Okay, sure. great. Thanks. Thanks for the endorsement. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, we've mentioned the name Dr. Doom a lot here. I, I really think Doom has got to be the next 
big bad level, the next Thanos level bad guy that's got to carry through a lot of the movies. I don't think he has to be introduced in a Fantastic Four movie. I think, again, he's out there in the public consciousness enough that you can introduce him in another movie and it doesn't matter. You just slowly work it all in and tie him into Fantastic Four as that franchise launches. But you introduce Doctor Doom and it all, and, and you think about, okay, what, what's Marvel's signature moves? They always lean on Secret Wars. They always lean on... Um, they always lean on Infinity War. They always lean on you know Death of Phoenix. Well, Death of Phoenix has been done twice now in movies. They've done Infinity War. Secret Wars is the next big thing. It's got to be. They've got to be heading that way. And one of the ways they can do that is to really start building up their villains. Because if you're going to do Secret Wars, you got, you've already got your team of 60 heroes, right? Well, you need a bunch of villains to fit that mold. So I think one of the ways to do it is to start in the Spider-Man franchise, which uh, I know Sony has it, but I'm sure they'd be willing to play in that sandbox, is you build a Sinister Six movie. Uh, fairly easily and fairly quickly. You get Vulture, Mysterio, Scorpion. Um, they, they Again, spoilers here, folks. They've mentioned Hydro-Man already. Uh, then you introduce like a Craven and maybe a Rhino or something like that, and you round it out. So there you have six villains right there that could be part of Secret Wars later. So I think all of it starts to build towards the next big thing. So you get you get your new Avengers movie in about three or four years with Thing and Wolverine, by the way. I'm glad we all agreed on that. And then three or four years after that, you get your Secret Wars movie. Well, and we've already got David Hasselhoff in the universe, so he can be the Beyonder. Right, so what, there you go. What? He's in the universe? <laughs> yeah, he's at the end of uh, the Guardians. Guardians, Guardians singing, yeah. Guardians oh my too. gosh, he is yeah, right. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he's he perfect go, for he the go Beyonder. He channeled his likeness at one point, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, Sean Ross and Greg Arujo were like, "Huh? What?" <laughs> but no, it doesn't. Even, I mean, is, is anyone in disagreement that they won't head towards Secret Wars? I know that the Russo brothers have said that that was the kind of like the one thing that they would like to adapt if they came back to do another one. Yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say I don't know if the payoff would necessarily be that good because the material is just a long fight scene with with not a lot of story, and you wouldn't be seeing Iron Man and Captain. America Erica alongside the X-Men, so is it really the team-up that you want to see? But then, again, I'm also thinking, you know what? I thought the comic book Civil War was really stupid, and they turned it into a damn good movie, just using that name and like a kernel of the premise. So I'm not going to say they couldn't do Secret Wars and make it work. They, they might. Infinity Gauntlet I, wasn't that good of a comic either, by the way. I just reread it. It's not that good. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> I... I, I I do think you can introduce Doctor Doom outside of a Fantastic Four movie. I don't know why you would want to. Um, I also think, like again, if they're going long-term, if you're thinking like the next big bad, there's no need to rush it, seed him in a Fantastic Four movie, and give it like you know six or seven years, like a whole phase to gestate before you do that. So, yeah, I think they could do that. I'd be down for that. I think, too, if you wanted to, this Secret Wars might be you know where you actually – that might be the event movie where they get Chris Evans to come back, get Robert Downey Jr. to come back. They oh pick God. them out of, out of time, you know, and that's the big event that these guys are back and they're all together in one movie again. That's how, after not having them for years, that's how you finally top end game. Maybe you bring them back and mm. may, maybe you bring in Hugh Jackman to be Wolverine or oh something. My, I don't oh know. <laughs> wow. Approximate that, budget, uh, $4 billion. Right, that's ambitious. That's ambitious. <laughs> yeah, but look how much Endgame just made, guys. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's you know, wow. So I think I think the sky's the limit with how much they're willing to to pay. Does it, it if if it uh, right now it's they can do no wrong, you know. So yeah, I'll throw out one more character. I'd love to see them 
uh, put on the screen, and, and it would work well with Secret Wars as well, uh, She-Hulk. I think if we're not going to get any more Hulk, which, by the way, I don't know why we can't have more Hulk. You, you got uh, Ruffalo's you know, character CGI'd now. you got to do somebody else to move the body. Well, I think it's because Universal anyway. controls it. I think that's the okay. deal, yeah. So but, they, can't, they can't release a solo Hulk movie Right. Without paying Universal, but they can still use the character as much as they want. Something like well, yeah, that. Yeah, so, so you could still use Hulk, but why, why not She-Hulk? Uh, I don't know that Universal owns that. It, maybe it's part of that franchise, like Spider-Man stuff. I don't know, but She-Hulk's a great character. I said that at the end of our Avengers Endgame review, which I'm sure you listened to, Shag. That uh, I thought She-Hulk would have been great. Would, She-Hulk is a great, perfect combination of getting more female representation into the universe, and you get some of that Hulk energy without it yep. being Mark Ruffalo. Uh, yep. I mean, and the, I mentioned that She-Hulk has, She-Hulk has a greater pop culture awareness than I would have imagined. I've, I hear her mentioned in a lot of different places in, in from people who have nothing to do with comic books or no real connection to it, but they know what She-Hulk is. And so I'm like, yeah. all right, it's got a lot of – she has a, a relatively high Q factor, especially if you could make it like the series – where she was the lawyer, and it was kind of like almost like a comedy series. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. comedic takes on She-Hulk have been done in the comics before, but I that would be that would be really really fun. And maybe you can you could get Ruffalo to be like a cameo or something. He doesn't have to carry the whole thing by himself. But yeah, I agree. I think She-Hulk is an idea waiting to happen. I mean, not there's a reason why she was one of the early live action attempts they made. Now it didn't go anywhere. But I mean, good mm-hmm. lord, they literally cast an actress and painted her green and put her in a costume and shot publicity stills. And that was in the 80s. So, I mean, yep. she's only grown since then. So, yeah, no, I really like that idea a lot. Okay, now you can talk, Ryan. Okay, so when the Disney-Fox merger happened, or when the buyout happened, I was really excited that Disney could acquire the Fantastic Four character. For a Fantastic Four movie, I just want them to really put a lot of money and energy and investment into it. Like, I was... It, I would... I would be so happy if they kind of approached the Fantastic Four movie the way James Cameron approached Avatar, in that he said, the technology to make this movie doesn't exist yet, so I'm going to invent new technology, and then I'm going to make the movie like with that. Like that's, like that's I would like Fantastic Four to kind of incorporate that philosophy where we're going to show you some mind-bending shit that you can't even conceive of. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to put in half a billion dollars into this production budget for the next two movies or something like that. Um, that would be my one thing. I didn't really care that they got the X-Men characters because I've kind of been done with X-Men. I burned out on that franchise at Fox. I've always kind of thought that the X-Men are weird to pigeon them into the margin Marvel Universe anyway. But then I just kind of started thinking about where I would go with the X-Men franchise at this point. And I really kind of went into some interesting ideas, and I think the way you do it is it's a direct result of the snapture or the snapping, the, the blip, the as blip, they call it. Yeah, the blip. <laughs> because evolution takes giant leaps after mass extinctions, you know, throughout like evolution, like history, and everything mm. like that. So I think when 50% of all life on the planet is just completely wiped out, Weird stuff just starts happening physiologically, and this produces a kind of jumpstart among a certain segment of the population. And in the time between Infinity War and Endgame, people started manifesting these freaky, weird powers. Uh, And that's sort of the genesis of the, the rise of these mutants. And I also think playing into what 
like the the metaphor and the the allegory of the X Men is you really, I th- I think they should lean into the X Men as not a superhero movie but like a really political movie, a sort of like dystopian thing, and we see that to the average person. And I put this, you know, in parentheses, the average Fox News viewer, um, that the the mutants are terrifying and they don't distinguish between the X-Men and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. They're both groups of terrorists that are going to come into your room and kill you. Um, and and there is so like uh, like there's uh, hysteria, there's hype. There are government agents going into high schools and talking about kids ba- doing something like, "Hey, if you see something at one of your classmates, you have to say something. Play on the paranoia. Get people ratting each other out." So the mutants, the whole community, really becomes an underground. And I think you have to get away from the Fox franchise of the Xavier Academy as this you know New England school, like in upstate New York, and everything they live in a castle and everything. I think you have to go completely the opposite way. Make it an underground. Make them living almost like the Morlocks. They've got like underground tunnels, their bases. They're doing militarized camps. You so know, should they do X-Force instead of X-Men? Well, in perhaps in concept, or at least the, you know, Xavier could have been an activist who just gets burned so badly that he's, he's now a little bit more militant. He is a little bit more maybe like the ultimate universe X-Men Xavier type of character where he's really building a task force to fight for rights. And their agenda could be sort of like X-Factor in liberating mutants because maybe mutants are being rounded up and put in cages like we see certain people being done along our U.S. border right now. Again, lean into the political aspect. Make this uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, otherwise, what's the point is, is kind of where I'm thinking. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to see another generic X-Men movie. I would rather see one that has a point and talks about civil rights and talks about the way we look at each other as human beings and the way we treat each other uh, and what we're willing to fight for. Um, we can always do the rah-rah, you know, patriotism and, and stopping alien invasions. But I think the point, like, if you're going to have X-Men, make it really something different um, and push as many boundaries as you can. Otherwise, just leave it dormant for another 10 years. Interesting idea. I, I love about, me some X-Men. When you're talking about the blip, did, did, did they establish that when Thanos did the snap that it got rid of all Half-Life or just humans? No, all life. Because oh, if, you yeah. go back to end, if you go back to Endgame, uh, Ant-Man walks outside of like the room or whatever. He sees birds landing on the tree, and that's what tips him off. Because yeah. there weren't any birds. It was like all any like organic life form like that, like plants, animals, everything. Okay. Like, yeah. That would have like severely screwed up like the earth's like pot, like climate and everything. Um, so yeah, it's when Ant-Man sees like that there are more birds on the trees. That's when he's like, Hey guys, I think it worked at the same time. Clinton is getting the call from his wife. Gotcha. Okay. Cause yes. I'm thinking that, that Chris's idea of bringing back the savage land, like mm-hmm. th- if, if evolution gets screwed with because of the blip, then dinosaurs could come back and we've got savage land. That, that no, could be the yeah. result of the blip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> then you got Kazar. <laughs> and there you go. Perfect. And you get, was it Shanna? And that his girlfriend? Yeah, Shanna, yeah. The Shanna, Shanna the, the Sea Devil. Devil. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, you, 
you've got one, right, that uh, you and I have sort of been talking a lot about that we both feel pretty confident is probably after Seeker Wars. It's got to be the next big phase, right? Well, well, actually, yeah. I, well, actually, before we get into that one, I got another one that Rob and I like spitball. He, he helped me spitball a little bit. So now this is exactly – this is going to be huge spoiler warnings for uh, – for Far From Home. So if you've made it this far and you haven't seen Far From Home, well, we, Rob told you not to listen, but if you did, stop listening now and uh, because I'm going to spoil it for you. So we know at the end of Far From Home that Spider-Man was exposed uh, on jumbotrons everywhere by J. Jonah Jameson. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Uh, so everybody's assuming who they're going to get to be the villain in the next one, who's going to hunt Spider-Man down, Craven. Craven the Hunter's <laughs> going to come. So JJJ hires Craven. Uh, Peter's on the run. He is picked up by a trucker, and that trucker has a secret identity, and that secret identity is Razorback. Yes. Oh my lord! Everybody's favorite superhero who's wearing Pumbaa as his, you know, headdress. Uh, so <laughs> ties in with Disney perfectly. Akuna play Akuna Matata in the truck. You know, it'd be great. Uh, so, um, so you know, the, he's on the road with Razorback, and then you have. Uh, Talos and the Skrulls, they can help convince the world that Peter isn't Spider-Man, which I think is, I hope is what happens, because I really don't want Spider-Man not to have a secret identity. I can take everybody else not having one, but it really gripes my ass when Spider-Man doesn't have a secret identity. So, uh, so Jonah, of course, still hates Spider-Man at the end, but then you get the, you get the end credit sequence that shows Razorback on a CB call to his buddy, and that buddy is who, Rob? US-1. <laughs> Woo! Yes, <laughs> I, I'm envisioning sort of like Smokey and the Bandit three, you know, with all the trucks that come out towards the end. Uh, when Iceman has all the trucks, they all kind of spread out. That's a big moment there, and I think somehow we've got to work NFL Super Pro and Kicker Zinc into that mix. I think it j- it's a natural fit. Right. Yes. Maybe there's some bet about a football game. You know, there they got to go. get they got to get to the Super Bowl on time or something or something, and, and then you go. <laughs> You got Kicker Zinc and NFL Super Pro right there. It'd be a huge tie-in. You know, Disney's always a big sponsor at the Super Bowl. We could, I'm sure they can bring NFL Super Pro back. It'd be perfect. Brilliant. <laughs> I think you done need, and you done. Need the bride to play Razorback. <laughs> Who's that? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, he was in the TV show Eastbound and Down. He was. Uh, oh uh, yeah, that guy, yeah. yeah, exactly. There you go. Oh yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Razorback, Razorback should have be rated not hot by the girls in 2024. I'm sure. <laughs> I had one idea for a Spider-Man movie, which again, this is a little more uh, down to earth because there already is a Spider-Man franchise. But I mean, of course, we've had uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, Spider-Man: Far From Home. So, what's the third one? I think Home Alone. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Spider-Man: oh. Home Alone, and the <laughs> plot is he is at Avengers Mansion. And all of the other Avengers have to go off on a mission for some reason, and he's there by himself, and that is when the Masters of Evil attack. And you, you bring in, like, the, the Wrecker, like, all the, like, C-level characters. Awesome. Yes, they're all kind of the C-level characters, but when they're a group attacking Avengers Mansion, and they're just fighting off Spider-Man, that, to me, is your movie. You just call it Spider-Man Home Alone, and he's got his web traps. He's setting up all sorts of things, and he even you can give him dialogue right out of Kevin McAllister. You know, you guys ready for more or stuff like that? It would be perfect. I think that, that's, your, that's your movie. I love, I love that. It. Give Colin, uh, Macaulay Culkin a cameo in it. That's perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Max, do you have anything, any, any other ideas we, we talked to? I know we talked about a couple of this. Do you have anything else? Well, you know, 
getting back to <laughs> Razorback and US One and all that sort of thing, I have a character <laughs> who is near and dear to my heart, who I know will never, ever, ever be made into a movie at all. But you know that that ties in perfectly, just as a cameo. That's all I want. So US One brings in his truck because he's he's lending it out for for a big stunt, a big a big truck, you know, semi truck jump that some some motorcycle stuntman is going to do. And I want that motorcycle stuntman to be the human fly. Oh, yes, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this deep bench because stuff. He's this is real. Great. <laughs> yeah, he's real. He's a superhero that's real. <laughs> and he could be friends with Johnny Blaze, and then you can bring in Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, see, there you go. And the, the villain, oh, the villain has got to be the orb, Ryan, right? Yes. Got to be the orb. Really. God. Get Rick Baker to do that makeup. Oh God! Perfect. <laughs> well, but just really quick, getting back to the idea of, the, of uh, bringing in Doctor Doom as the next big bad. Personally, I would rather see someone like Kang being brought in, just because you know he's fought different kind of heroes. He's not necessarily just with the FF um, or you know any particular group. But my my problem, I love Doctor Doom. But my problem with him, they have never, ever, in my opinion, have never gotten, and I don't know how hard it is to screw up a technical mastermind sorcerer. You know, just <laughs> put him in a mask and a cloak and, and go with it. And, uh, you know, I think Rob was the one saying, you know, MCU audiences now will accept anything. It doesn't need yeah. a big explanation. It doesn't need to be be brought up, you know, to to some sort of modern look or anything like that. You know, just just a, a scarred dude who learned sorcery from his from his uh, from his mother, and put him in a mask and, and a cloak. Give him a gun. There you go. <laughs> yep. Make like him ruler of a of a country. Exactly. Don't shy away from that. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's sad when the, the Corman movie is the closest they've got to Doctor doing Doctor Doom. Like, oh, yeah. man. God, yeah. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're kind of going to wrap up at this point, so I think what we're going to do to end the show is we're going to kind of just zip through if anyone has any last idea. Uh, I will go, I'll go through mine because it's very quick. I don't have much beyond the name. I want to see a Moon Knight movie. Uh, I want to flat out see movie, and I want to see it in black and white. I know they'll never do that, but it doesn't matter. That's not what the show is about. I just want to see them do because I, I will say I was a little disappointed with Black Panther the movie. I think I'm the only person, not so much of the movie itself, but I didn't like that they made his costume basically Iron Man. They just gave him like oh he's got nanotechnology and and he's got like a force shield and it can do all this. Stuff. I always liked Black Panther when he was kind of like Batman. He was, you know, more like just a guy who's just super strong and super fast as opposed to having all these amazing powers. So now that they've kind of pushed Black Panther into that kind of Iron Man scenario, I want to have a Batman type character in the Marvel Universe, and that would be Moon Knight. So I would love to see another. We keep asking for this, but of course, after Endgame, where how do you get any bigger? Another street level character where I would love to see just a like cool gritty thriller with Moon Knight and again do it in black and white and that's your guy so that's my last idea is I want to see Moon Knight in a movie alright cool. I like it Mine, mine's a simple one note thing that is not realistic and they would screw it up horribly but and probably wouldn't be interesting to anybody but me I would love to see an Alpha Flight movie absolutely adore it uh, but I understand the appeal is not there 
I think we have one other member of the network who might appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say it, I mean I, Bass, I mean, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah it would be Bass. I don't, I don't know if it'd be Siskoid. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, there there are tons that I would like to see: Silver Surfer, Spider Woman, She Hulk stuff, like all the horror characters that we've already mentioned. The one that I kind of have the clearest picture of that I can see them doing with a lot of potential, kind of seamless. Again, going back to one of the first things that we said was uh, Nova or Kid Nova, mm-hmm. um, and you could do Richard Rider or the Sam Alexander character that Shag mentioned is the one in the Champions right now. Um, but I think the Guardians of the Galaxy movie introduced the Nova Corps, so we've uh, had that established. Infinity War basically had uh, a throwaway line that said Thanos wiped out all of Xandar and wiped out the Nova Corps and everything, so they're all, they're all gone. But if you get a Nova kind of origin movie, you could actually do a flashback where you see uh, Thanos' forces wiping them out. And one thing that the um, happened to the character of Nova in the Annihilation books was they did they sort of did that where they wiped out the core mm-hmm. and there was only one Nova left. And actually, I kind of think they were just ripping off the idea of Kyle Rayner when he became the only Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, because then Nova, he was like supercharged. He had the power of like the collective Nova core, all of their like sort of overpowered, like kind of like supercharged him and made him like really special. So now I think visually you run the risk of doing a lot of the same stuff that Captain Marvel could do. Um, but I think it would just be really cool to sort of introduce this, uh, like a kid cosmic type of character like that, um, who could join the new Avengers or young Avengers or something like that. And I also just think one thing that they did in the, uh, in the, uh, the annihilation comics again, was that when he put on the helmet, there was a sort of computerized universal mind that could speak to him and kind of help carry like exposition and stuff like that. And I think it would be great in the movie if they used Glenn Close, her voice, as that character, because wow. they, they had her nice. Nova Prime in the movie. If they brought her back, not as the character, but just like her, uh, her voice, okay. kind of speaking to him and being the narrator that way. Um, I thought I think that would be interesting. Now, that's sort of similar to what Spider-Man's costume did with the AI Karen thing in Homecoming, but they got rid of that in Far From Home, so maybe it wouldn't be so much of a repeating idea. Because Again, this e- is just some... e- because Edith is so different. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't even want to get into some of the things that I liked and some of the things I really didn't like about that one. But I love your, uh, no, I love your Nova idea. That'd be great. And by the way, Annihilation is fantastic. If they go that route, that gives us a chance to bring in Annihilus too. That'd be awesome. And that could be a big cosmic level threat for like a, another like team, like cosmic team up movie. You could do something spin, like if Adam Warlock comes out of Guardians Volume Three, and if they don't do a Volume Four, they could do Captain Marvel, Nova, and Warlock teaming up in some kind of like space. A space Avengers movie uh, mm. to fight the Annihilation Wave. That could be something they do in Phase 4 or Phase 5. That, I'd, love, great I'd love to see Annihilus just because his design is so awesome. Yeah, I mean, just I think of what the Kirby, the Kirby stuff they did in, in Thor Ragnarok, but just extend, I mean, and, and do the same thing with him. And Oh, man, that'd be awesome. Oh. That, yeah. That's another thing we should. They should do more buddy movies like Thor Ragnarok. Yes. I, I tried to I tried to come up with buddy ideas, and the closest I had was Shang Chi and Daredevil. But uh, yeah, buddy movies would be fantastic. I would love that. Yeah, well, we've talked about Marvel team up before, but just do that as a as a Disney streaming the, the Disney Plus. Just have Marvel team up be a series on there, and you get 
you get the actors to show up for one or two episodes, and then you go on to the next one. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, we always, Marvel two and one. You could take ev- all those titles and just make them, and and that, that's a great way to launch characters that maybe you're not sure could carry a movie. But you know, oh look, this episode worked out really well. There's a lot to do with them. So yeah, I would love. To, oh, that would be fantastic. So Shay, do you have any final ideas before we sign off? Other than well, you just mentioned the Marvel team up. All I can say is it doesn't work without Stegron or Basilisk. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who's read Marvel team up knows what I'm talking about. I mean, I mean, what does really? So, uh... <laughs> well, uh, we, we we forgot one character we got to bring up from Marvel team up. Got Frogman. Uh, yeah, that's true. Get in there, the fabulous that was, Frog a, that was assumed. <laughs> He's getting his own franchise, isn't he? I thought they already announced that. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, better have the rabbit in it. <laughs> Before we sign off, there, there is one character I would like to see, and I don't, I'm not sure if she can carry a whole movie, but I would like to see Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur somehow show up. Oh my god! Oh. That's awesome. You know, maybe have her, maybe have her, maybe have her be mentored by some Hawkeye who has kids of his own, and then show her the ropes and something, you know, something along those lines. But I would love to see Devil Dinosaur on the screen. I would that, like to see that. Sorry, like I just like something like that. Like I, I would like to see them do some more all ages or even animated, mm-hmm. like lean into some animation, like kids properties. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur would be a really fun kids movie or kids TV show. So would the Power Pack. Mm-hmm. Um, do a lot of stuff with those characters and like really, I mean, yeah, like the the Marvel Studios is big enough to incorporate like, like westerns, horror stuff like that, but also do some kid friendly stuff. Like I loved uh, Into the Spider Verse, but I also loved the Big Hero Six movie. It was completely yes. isolated, but that was a great kids movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. did have a Stan Lee cameo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the record, believe it or not, spun out of Alpha Flight. I know, I know. <laughs> just didn't make it into Alpha Flight. It came out of Alpha Flight. It didn't make it, so they gave it its own miniseries. Oh, Crazy. So close. So close, Shaq. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I think that is going to do it for this special episode of FW Presents, where we're doing a What If the MCU. Uh, we thank everybody for following the network for now three years. We've, we've been together. We like to try and get together and do these sort of summer specials once a year. Uh, last year, we did our 97-hour uh, <laughs> sampler episode. This was a little <laughs> more of a group effort and uh, we all had a lot of fun sort of shooting ideas back and forth and of course we've all been huge fans of the MCU movies and I know we're all excited about what comes next and good lord it would be great if just even 10% of the ideas that we pitched here tonight came true that would just be amazing so uh, that I guess that is going to do it for this episode of course you can find all of our shows from all of the great people you heard here on the show tonight plus all the other guys uh, over on the network site which is Fire and Water podcast.com and please let us know your ideas we would love to hear your ideas for what kind of marvel movies you would see you would love to see so you can leave that in the comments uh again for this uh, from the site firewaterpodcast.com so that is going to do it uh we would thank everybody shag max ryan chris thank you so much for joining me this was a blast i really enjoyed i really enjoyed chatting with all of you guys fantastic people and ryan <laughs> and laugh and laugh. <laughs> Kevin Feige, get the checks ready. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm sure each pre- presentation a week from now, they're like, I already heard the same stuff on that Fire and Water show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe the US One movie's happening. <laughs> Sulky over funky kinda hunky superhero Optimistic and electrically transistored superhero And exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero 
coward from the forehead to the toes. Watch them change their very shape before your nose. See Arcane striking superhero change to Viking superhero. Ah, ding and real swing and shield fling and superhero. They're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimate superheroes. The Marvel superheroes.